can see in front of you, and here's this little spot of a cloud about the size of my hand floating by. As I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand, and Elijah says, get running. Start preparing. The rain is coming. God is going to move. So last night, you probably got an email from uh, Pastor Eric, and if you haven't checked your email, I'm going to ask you to check your email right now and see if that email is there, because that email is a little cloud. It's a little cloud floating across our blue sky. It's saying, get ready. The rain is coming, the spirit's moving, the wind is beginning to blow. And the purpose of that little cloud, the purpose of sending that out to you is so that you can be part of our preparation, so that we're hearing your voice, we're hearing your heart, we're preparing uh, in the spirit, in the spirit, uh, to be found doing God's will at a very uh, critical time. So. Would you take the time? Would you open up that, that email, uh, fill out the information? It's only four little questions. They, they may, might seem a little trite to you, but believe me, they're going to give us a ton of information, all right? a ton of responsive information, and we really feel like uh, it's important right now. And if, if you feel like, hey, I didn't get an email. What's up with Eric not emailing me? Well, email Eric and let him know because somewhere you're missing on our, on our list, and we want you on that list. So if you didn't get an email and you said, I should have one, well, demand your rights and, and get a hold of Eric and get on that list, okay? Also, while we're at it, um, there is the church app. If you want to know anything that's going on with us, get on that church app, and you can do your tithes and offerings there. Uh, there's connection cards there. You know, if you didn't get an email from Eric, it's because you didn't go to the church app and fill out a connection card. And we don't have you on the list, so you can rectify this right now. Go on that church app and uh, take a minute, fill out that connection card, and if Eric sees a new connection card later on in the day, he's going to send you that email, guaranteed, right? So... It'll also instruct you on ways that you can give. You can give through the church app. You can give on the uh, church website. You can give on our church Facebook presence. I mean, you can send it in snail mail to 175 Mechanic Street. You can stop by, but this won't be a good week for stopping by. Martha and I are heading for the woods for a couple of days. We're going up into the White Mountains. Uh, just getting ready, getting some rest before the wind begins to blow. It's going to be a busy time in the weeks to come. So, uh, But otherwise, you know, I'm here day in and day out, it seems. <laughs> Stop by and visit, drop off your tithe check. It would be more than welcome. Uh, the work of the gospel through this, this body of believers continues to go on. We're still impacting lives in new, new and exciting ways. Really good stuff going on, so... Uh, we want you to know about that, okay? Anything else I'm missing from this end there, Keekster? Baby bottles, yes. Kiki is going to be putting up a link there uh, for the Women's Aspire uh, to help out with women in uh, crisis pregnancies. We usually do a baby bottle drive. 
and they can't send out any plastic baby bottles. So they're doing it online. And that, that link will get you there, and you can fill up a uh, pretend baby bottle that's not plastic and won't bring any disease anywhere, <laughs> and still donate to an awesome, worthy cause, right? Save a baby's life. Fill up a baby bottle with money. It takes a lot of money to counter what's going on as an industry in these United States. God help us all. All righty. So are we doing audio already? Are we on audio? Good, good. All right. So someone mentioned this morning they like some of my um, headings in form of questions. And so my question this week is, where to from here? Where to from here and where are we anyways? Where to from here and where are we anyways? It's been a very interesting week. Uh, so it begins, the thing we've been looking for, waiting for, and whining about since week two of the mandates, right? <laughs> I mean, just think, you can go to your favorite restaurant if it survived the economic meltdown. Oh, but wait, right? You can't go in and eat. You can go in and carry out to eat as you've been able to all along. But if you want to eat at your favorite eatery, you have to call in advance for a time and a table and then go and eat outside of the place, in front of, alongside of, in the back of, or even out in the parking lot, but you can't eat in. But, you know, God bless these poor people, right? They work so hard to make a living doing something they love to do and train to do in a way that says we're here for you, we're here to serve you, and now they're clamoring to set up picnic tables in parking lots to just survive. And there are all kinds of people going through all kinds of stuff. Can we pause here today and, and just pray? Remember, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the house of God, and his house, according to Jesus, is a house of what? Prayer, right? Could you right now, where you are, right now, pray for someone you know who is struggling to stay afloat, say as a small business, as a healthy family, or just looking to be gainfully employed again, as I pray from here. So you go ahead and pray for someone you know there, and I'm going to pray from here uh, a more general prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Come like the wind and blow the breath of God across our prayers. Cause them to impact the lives of those that we pray for right now. Please redeem our time into the purposes of God that we as a people called by your name might be found faithful doing your will, advancing your kingdom and glorifying the name of Jesus in the earth. Amen. And amen. You see, this is corporate participation with the work of God for the renewing of creation and the salvation of souls. That's what you just did. You just participated in God's activity. And there's no barometer that can indicate the immediate effectiveness or impact that those prayers just had. 
They just had impact. Would, would you say my prayers had impact today? Put your faith behind those prayers. On individuals prayed for other than the blessed satisfaction that one finds in faithful obedience to the Lord. So along with all the restaurants with their sidewalk tables and chairs and face masks and social distancing, we also, as a church, have a set of parameters established but not yet implemented for the church. A three-phase plan, all planned out in neat rows and multiple colors, a different color for each phase. But what I love about the plan are the headings that they give it. For instance, the overall heading in large blue bold block, all caps letters is Pandemic Return Plan. I want to pause for just a moment and let that settle in. Now listen to what I said. Pandemic Return Plan. Not Pandemic Recovery Plan or Pandemic Go-Away Plan, right? And if you think I'm messing with you, here it is, official document, Pandemic Return Plan. So is this Newspeak? George Orwell was talking about in his book, 1984. And I, I hope you understand I'm saying this with a little bit of a sense of humor. I'm not trying to establish some kind of agenda behind this, although you really never know until we all know. But what has really struck me in this is the subtitle, also in large capital letters, not just not in all bold. And it says this, opening up worship again. Opening up worship again. And here's the sad part. I know what, what, that, what they're saying, and so do you, right? It means by phase three of this plan, we can be back in our church, church buildings, freely doing all the things we did before we couldn't. But I have to tell you, nobody needs to open up worship again because nobody closed worship down. Hmm? I don't know about you, but I've been having awesome times of worship during this lockdown. I don't need a building to worship. I just need Jesus. The props are gone for sure. But hey, it makes more room for more of Jesus. Right? Anyone who is embedded in the world of worship, be it in music, the word, ministry, missions, youth, you name it, if it contains worship, it is, a, is, is alive now like never before. Just in worship music alone, the songs that are emerging in rapid fire have been amazing. Have been amazing. The depth of truth and spirit in the content of words and melody of power and emotion is impacting the whole world. The sincerity, focus, and character of today's worship leaders, worship teams, and worship training centers is unsurpassed by anything seen before. 
song spontaneously sung in crisis as a little boy lay dying is turned into a corporate song of declaration that raises him up to fullness of health. Raise a hallelujah. Right? And we've all sung it. No, worship has not been closed down, but our idea of what worship is has been. Uh, let me read to you something posted by Vineyard Worship Leader Jeremy Riddle that was written by his pastor, Alan Scott, lead pastor of the Anaheim Vineyard in California. There is something about this national moment that is resetting the altars of our lives. It feels poignant. Everything's stripped back. It's like a cleansing of the temple. God is resetting worship. He is restoring worship and reclaiming worship in this moment. The reordering of worship overturns the current popular practice of worship. It offends the worship industry. It delights those who value covenant above commerce. It throws out everything not aligned with the heart of the Father. It moves worship from the focus upon horizontal to vertical. Every platform of man removed. Every effort at popularity removed. Every idol of promotion removed. Using ministry to gain wealth removed. Using ministry to appear important, removed. Using ministry to increase visibility, removed. Every exploitation of people to fulfill our dreams, removed. Every ignoring of the poor and seeking the friendship of the powerful, removed. The cleansing of the temple has never been more necessary the idea that Jesus would be impressed by what we have built to make him famous or that he would leave our models of worship intact is vain. We are too timid to tear down the temple ourselves, too afraid to confront the excesses. We allow things to stand which, when moved by the Spirit, must be pulled down. Edifices for our own importance, born from our ego, rather than by his spirit. The cleansing of our modern temples has begun. It will continue with greater acceleration. Wow. So where to from here? According to the three-phase plan, it goes from return to transition and then on to the new normal. The new normal, right? Funny. I've been using that term uh, for what lies ahead myself, but it has recently come to me that if Jesus uprooted the old normal, what makes us think he wants to install a new normal to replace it? How about a no normal? Hmm? So what does Jesus do with normal anyways? Let's take a look in Matthew 4, 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
So there's normal, right? Fishermen cast nets into the sea. That's what fishermen normally do. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What the heck is that? Right? That's not normal. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. That's normal, right? They come back from fishing all night, and they're going to take some time, make sure the equipment's in, in good shape for the next night of fishing, right? Doing that with Dad. They've probably been doing that with Dad from the time they could walk and climb into the boat. It was their normal. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, they left their father, they left their normal, and they followed him. They stepped into not normal. So think about it. Didn't he take out of what was normal to you when you received him as Lord and Savior? Did he pull you out of your normal? Are you the same person you used to be? I'm going to say it for you, no. Right? If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't be. And see, I want to just say that you now live in a new normal. That's what I'd like to say, but I can't say that anymore. <laughs> right? I mean, that's my default reply to that. You're in a new normal, but I think we confuse values with normal. Yes, we live different, but ask anyone in the world, and they will say, and they should say, that we are not normal. Don't take offense when they tell you that, right? When they say to you, listen, you're not normal. What's wrong with you? Pat yourself on the back. You're in the right place. We are not normal, and part of the abnormality is the constant state of flux that we exist in, being renewed, being transformed, being constantly conformed into the image of Christ. Change is a constant while normal, kingdom normal, has yet to be established. John 1.35, the next day again, John, that is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you doing? <laughs> What's up? You know, what are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now, I like uh, the commentary on this by F.B. Meyer in his commentary. He says this, Notice how our Lord develops men and women. He invites them to his familiar friendship. Come and see. Come and see. Step into my realm. Right? And he looks deep down into their hearts, detecting capacities and possibilities that were hidden even from themselves, but which he helps them to realize. 
Read that again. Notice how our Lord develops men. He invites them into his familiar friendship. Come and see. And he looks deep down into their hearts, detecting capacities and possibilities that were hidden even from themselves, but which he helps them to realize. But here's the catch. He never stayed in one place long enough for it to be where he lived, only where he was staying. His home is not of this world by his own words, and his purpose is never to provide just housing. Luke 9, 57, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. See, you cannot and you should not expect to casually follow Jesus. It will not be what you expect, but it will be abundantly above and beyond anything you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. He invites us to come and see to follow him, but his idea of destination is far removed from normal. John 14, 1. He says this, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? That if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Do you see it? Do you hear it? The destination is not a building. The destination is a person. For Jesus, the destination was always his father. And for us, the destination should always be Jesus in the Father by the Holy Spirit. You see, in Jesus, God interjected his purposes, his agendas, his presence, his kingdom, and himself into the affairs of man, and something so dynamic, so profound, so eternally impacting, that from the world's point of view, it turned the whole world upside down. Ladies and gentlemen, normal has left the room. John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but are born of God. And what should that look like for us if we have been born again of God? Jesus offers a brief and yet dynamic descriptive to a man named Nicodemus, a priest of the temple in Jerusalem, who had been questioning the normal of his day. John 3.8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from, or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So perhaps no normal 
is the new normal for the church. And if this is so, then where and when of worship finds its rightful place in our personal and corporate agendas as we live our day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week lives following Jesus to see where it is that he is staying in any given moment of time. John 4.23, Jesus makes this very profound statement to a little woman by a well. But the hour is coming and is now here. The hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Amen and amen. Let's close this segment of scripture uh, with a little time in prayer. Would you stand with me if you're in your homes? Would you stand and just assume the posture, you know, just a place of openness to receive, a place where where your open hands say to the Lord, yo, I'm giving myself away to you. Giving myself away to you. And so I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into each home, into each room, into each life, each temple that stands before you. Father, you've been observing your church. You've been looking. You've been orchestrating. You have brought us to such a time as this for your purposes. We want to come and see what it is you're doing, where it is you're going. We want to follow. We want to participate in the work of the Father in the earth for this hour. So would you come, Holy Spirit, like the wind, and blow upon our lives. Give us wisdom. Give us eyes to see when you're moving. Give us ears to hear when you're speaking. Give us good courage of heart to do the thing you're asking us to do in the moment that you ask us to do it without hesitation. Take us out of whatever normal we have found our comfort in and comfort us in your presence, Holy Spirit that we might glorify the name of Jesus and bring a sense of well-being and salvation and redemption to the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And I, I'm just going to ask you, if you've been watching this morning, you know this is our first Sunday with new equipment. 